Oh, it's on now. Oh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Tyler Joe Krupp, and I just burped really loud into the mic right before you came on. Did I do it while they were on? Nope. I got to tell you guys, lunch arrived precisely nine minutes ago, <laughs> right? And I ate a box of french fries and a steak wrap about a foot and a half long. And I may uh, immediately regret my decision. So anyway, it's good to see you all here on Thursday where we usually have a guest, but uh, we don't this week because I'm fat enough to be too. And uh, you know what's funny? I spend a lot of time doing my cheesy poses. And no one's watching this. Oh, a lot of people watch. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought everybody was just listened. No, mm. a lot of people watch. I think she might speak lies with forked tongue. No, <laughs> so anyway, we've been talking about Moses uh, and all these other things, and I'm excited to continue. And today we should wrap up Moses. If we don't, it's then he should have died earlier. Let's just put it out there. Um... Tomorrow is our vocations question and answer. Now, did we ever drag the kids into this, or are we going to just adult it? No, no. And will we be here at the secret location? No, we'll be in the library of the school. Okay, so tomorrow we will be at the school library, and some of our students will be there, and I'm going to answer their questions and yours about priesthood. So I'm kind of excited about yeah, this. Um, and uh, we'll see uh, how it goes. Yeah. In the meantime, today, I got to tell you, yesterday we talked about Margaret of Scotland. And uh, you may remember that Margaret of Scotland was from Hungary. And today, our saint is another person. Elizabeth. Elizabeth of Hungary. Now, so two days in a row, we have holy women from Hungary who fed the hungry. That's what they were known for. And I just think that's noteworthy. But it's noteworthy for a lot of reasons. What I want to focus a little bit on at the beginning, and I'll try not to go too long, but is on Catholic charities. Why? Today, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, she is the patron saint of Catholic charities. And historically, uh, the Catholic Church is the largest charitable organization in the history of the world. And it's not even close. Um, and one of the things this whole proposal fee brought out is this thing kids are taught, and I'm using that word very loosely, in college. Uh, and I know that because they all say it after college, uh, about how, oh, the church just cares about the unborn. Uh, as if that's somehow a legit attack. Isn't that weird? You know you're messed up when your defense is, yeah, but you only care about little kids. Okay. Way to go, Sparky. Uh, no, we care about everybody. And just because your prof or the local news doesn't decide to cover what the Catholic Church does every day in regions all around the country, it doesn't mean it's not extraordinary. Uh, for example, here at Holy Family, we spend about $1,000 a week in aid. Now, that doesn't count all the food we hand out, which is a tremendous amount of food. All the clothes we hand out, a tremendous amount of clothes. The furniture, the refrigerators, whatever. That's just in helping people with utilities and rent. And we're working hard to make it bigger because there's more need. Yeah? 
<clears throat> and to me, the key behind Catholic Charities and why it's better than the government um, is because it's local. So when you send a dollar of tax to the government, what percentage of that dollar do you suppose is eaten alive by a bureaucracy? Yeah? Uh, versus when you send it through the Catholic Church, where a vast majority of it, now 10 years ago, I know it was 98 cents for every dollar that you gave to Catholic Charities went directly to the poor. And what local can do that big government can't is individual casing. So uh, we'll say, well, we need to do, we need to, the government needs to. And as soon as you hear that, just stop and ask yourself if the government will be good at that. Uh, they can make, and rightly so, this isn't a flaw or a sin on their part. It's just how it is. They can make huge blanket policies and then as they're getting burned, make rules to keep themselves from getting burned. Social Security, you may remember, one lawyer in the South scammed $5 billion off of Social Security over an eight-year period. Right? One dude. Right? And so what do they do then? Well, let's make rules to make sure no one could do that again. And all those rules do is make it hard for the people who legitimately need it to get it. It's just how big systems work. You can't do anything about that except not tell a monstrous bureaucracy you're in charge of everything. You try to keep it local. The church calls this the principle of subsidiarity, um, and it applies to humans. Namely, you solve every problem at the closest local level all the way up through finance. How do we take care of the poor at the local level? Yeah. But be this as it may, uh, I would love to talk to you just at the beginning here about... Catholic Charities of Genesee and Shiawassee County. Now, I gotta put my glasses on, and is that gonna turn the screen blue or whatever? Okay, well this is uh, just, these are my very blue eyes, okay. Um, I wear contacts to make my eyes brown. All right, so let's take a look um, at just, now this is last year, Genesee County, okay? 72,307 hot meals. Uh, 40,477 sack lunches, 7,200 warming center meals. What is warming center? Well, the warming center is uh, this vast room in Catholic Charities with heat for homeless and poor people to come and warm up in the winter, and it's packed. It's packed. Um, if you look at uh, the total meals then, and this is just... Uh, in Flint, Genesee County Catholic Charities, 151,670 meals last year. That many people ate because of Catholic Charities, just in Flint, okay? Now, if you look at the community closet, that's a means of providing food. And again, we're gonna look at Genesee, even though uh, we won't count the Shiawassee County numbers, just because honestly, those numbers will get ridiculous. But uh, number of people served, and meaning we got them closed, 11,889. The number of personal items distributed, toothpaste, deodorant, uh, uh, things like that. Um, oh, I'm sorry, 11,899 humans. Did I say that? Okay, humans. Then 28,910 personal items, uh, 269,000 
clothes were distributed. And in terms of household items like detergent, dish soap, pledge, I'm just kidding. I don't know if they, is 29,298. Uh, there's this thing, uh, they have the Center for Hope, work ready room clothing. Namely, this is clothing for guys or gals who got jobs but don't have clothes to wear for work. 26,000 people, right, received clothes from there. 185 received steel toe boots. Those were all donated from Montrose. <laughs> 3,500 people stayed overnight in the warming center. They had nowhere to sleep in the cold. The number of rides provided, oh well, the total is over 7,657 miles, namely getting people from A to B. Because sometimes the weakness of a government program is you can't get to where you need to go to get the aid. Or you get there and they say, well, you don't qualify unless, and now you've got to drive them all over to get this form, that form, this form. It's how it works. 7,657 miles. This will blow you away. You ready for a crazy number? 11,154,403 dollars provided of COVID emergency rental assistance. Okay. Um, holy cow. Um, the homelessness prevention program spent $482,280. The rapid rehousing program, Catholic Charity spent 140604 The emergency housing vouchers, uh, $34,000. Uh, is this blowing people away, or is this just numbers? Should I stop? Okay. The, in Genesee County, Catholic Charities facilitated 10 adoptions, uh, placed 80 children in foster care, and did 936 home visits. Uh, counseling hours. In Genesee County, 9,572 hours of free counseling last year. Uh, the Offender Success Program. This, I'll be honest, is my favorite. This is the one where you, uh, we meet with people, not we, Catholic Charities, meets with folks getting out of prison and helps them acclimate to a new life, all kinds of wonderful things. Um, 178 of these men and women we got housing for. 178. Uh, the enrollment for job placement, 130. Uh, so 130 people were placed in jobs, offenders. Uh, participants in the full-time program, 60. This is just beautiful. Um, how about outreach assistance? Uh, the rent and utilities assistance, they gave $155,000. That served 351 people. Uh, 135 people were transported to the doctor. Uh, and this was 16,000 miles they drove uh, last year, getting people to medical services. 6,000 volunteers gave 26,000 hours. Guys, that's just Genesee County. That's one county in the little U.S., in little state of Michigan. Um, and I, I just can't wrap my head around it. How much money did they spend helping the poor? $18,177,000. Uh, 
How much money did they raise? 18 million, 200,000. You talk about playing it close. They squeezed every dollar out. Um, most of their funding, 64% came from grants and contracts. How does that work? Well, remember the massive bureaucracy thing. Well, one of the things the state will do is ask the church, you're better at it, you do it. So what happens? Then they say, well, here's a million dollars to use for counseling, and they have to use that one million only for counseling. But then get this, do you know this? They have to go through and take down every religious image, every religious thing, uh, in order to use this grant. So I think I told you guys, I saw this numerous times, uh, a veteran, like at Lenaway Catholic Charities, when I was down in Lenaway, those cats blew me away. Uh, uh, I saw this. We'd have a veteran who needed counseling but didn't have insurance. So the church would secure a federal grant to get this guy in uh, counseling, but then they'd have to go through the office where the veteran was gonna meet and take down every crucifix, take out any Bibles, anything religious. That's separation of church and state, by the way, when people ask. It doesn't mean the church can't say, don't do that. Who knew? It was a little more nuanced. <laughs> so I say all this because at least in the Diocese of Lansing, Catholic Charities is a beast. And if you took us out of the equation, I am not exaggerating that society would collapse. That's a fact. The other, you know, the key thing to remember is where Catholic charities and churches are starting to struggle is Trump changed the tax laws. So you don't get credit for helping nonprofits anymore, um, right, on your taxes, which did a lot of damage and probably will still do a lot of damage. But so for me, you know, like, um, you know, when you think about what charity, to me, there's the Luke Project. I cannot say enough about them. We should do another show about them. Yes. Um, that's where I'm focusing all my charities this Christmas, is the Luke Project in Flint and the um, Catholic Charities of Flint, Genesee, Shiawassee County. Uh, I just wanted you to know that. Because oh, what is the church doing for the poor? Oh, would you like a list? Or do you want the book? What are you doing for the poor? Yeah? If that's the standard... Well, then you can't have an opinion on this topic because there's no way you touch what we do. Um, and man, uh, the new gal in charge, I know her. Uh, we should get her on here. I love that woman. Oh, Teresa? She was one of my parishioners at Otisville. No, um, Katie. Oh, Katie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, and I don't want to brag, but uh, Katie uh, Baxter. Katie Baxter, if you, so Katie Baxter and then Karen Church was also one of my parishioners. And then my brother Jesse is also on the board. I'm just filled with holy pride about that. And of course they're in Catholic Charities because of my fine example. And that's not even remotely true. Okay. Um, so uh, I've been there, and I'm telling you, these cats go to war. You give them a dollar, and they somehow make a dollar and a penny out of it. Um, these folk are amazing. So that's my little thing at the beginning of this about Catholic charities. And again, whenever someone says, well, what's the church doing about this? Oh, would you like a list? Do you want a list? No problem. And because it's a nonprofit, because it's a 501c3, their records are public for anyone. 
anytime. You can go on their website. Oh, here's what we did last year. Here's what we're doing this year. It's all right on there. How did I get the information I read you? Two clicks. Two clicks. Cool stuff. How are people doing? Yeah? Good. We fat and happy? So because of St. Uh, Elizabeth of Hungary, we had to talk about Catholic Charities because she is the patroness of Catholic Charities. Um, with that in mind, uh, let's segue right into Moses. So last time we talked, Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. And one important thing to remember is that they weren't called the Ten Commandments. We call them the Ten Commandments. You could break it down so there's 12. You could break it down so there's eight. The numbering system of the Bible is not divine. It came about about 1,500 years after this event. Um, that's just how it shook out. <clears throat> the only place they're called the Ten Commandments is in the title of the section that we made. And they just call them the commandments. That's why the numbering system's a little different. So anyway, with that in mind, what we know is Moses came down from the mountain and he had with them the commandments, as well as some laws and norms and, and, and uh, some rules even about the ark that they were going to carry these Ten Commandments in. But we'll jump to that later. The biggest thing is this. While he was up on the mountain communing with the Lord and getting the commandments, everybody down on the ground level was like, he's been up there a bit. Yeah. He's been up there a bit. And they started to get nervous. And then they started to do what they do all the time. Maybe we should mutiny. Yeah? Maybe we should mutiny and then just go back to Egypt. Uh, at which point, uh, they take the gold that they didn't, that they weren't supposed to have, and they make a golden calf and they bow down and worship it. Uh, this is an image of our God who brought us out of Egypt. And. Um, this is going to shock you. Neither Moses nor the Lord were pleased with this development. Moses smashed the commandments on the ground and the Lord was like, let's just wipe them out. Moses, get out of my way. I'm going to wipe them out. I'll start over with you. Uh, but again, we go back to that idea that the Lord brought up, but he just couldn't do it because he knew they were broken by slavery. So in the end, uh, the people repent when Moses chews them out, and then he smashes up the statue, grinds the gold uh, down, mixes it with water, and makes everyone drink it. Now, ask me why he did that. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know if it's a figurement of the Eucharist. I don't. Uh, like you're going to see this theme repeated a lot throughout the Old Testament, the idea of eating that. So, you know, you got the lamb, you got the goat. No, 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 no. Let's do the lamb. You got the lamb at Passover. You slit its throat, you catch its blood, you put the blood over your doorpost. And then what do you do? You eat the meat of the lamb. Or once the temple is built, the whole system of you bring the, the sheep in, the sheep is killed uh, and God takes its blood instead of yours. God is, God is owed blood. God is owed sacrifice. So we'll give you our best lamb. So then what does the Lord do? He then says, now eat that lamb, right? An idea of that's total conquering. Yeah. Um, the eating of your enemy in a sense. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. Maybe that's why he had them drink uh, the gold dust mixed in with water. I didn't find anything that told me anything. So I blame Carrie. So then Moses uh, downloads some new commandments for his tablet from the cloud. I've seen that joke. Have you seen it? Like when I was first a priest, every person in the world wanted to tell me the joke that I heard nine million times about, you're the one about God and Moses playing golf? And you have to say no. You have to know I've never heard that. <sighs> Go ahead. Anyway. Moses, uh, now, it, the, there's a lot of talk here for the next few books of the Bible. And it's all centered around a couple ideas. Um, that God gave Moses ideas, for lack of a better phrase, as well as the commandments. And these were very practical rules. When this happens, do that. Never allow this. What are we doing? We're taking a tribal people and trying to instill a sense of government. And this government system evolves into what we call the system of the judges. And we can get into that later. But lots of rules and regulations, right down to where you defecate, to what you do if you both think that's your animal. Just a million of these little, well, not a million, but a lot of these rules. And God goes through and walks people through. Here's how you live in peace with each other, right? Keep these rules. Keep these rules. And also... God gives rules for sacrifices. God gives rules for how do we treat this ark now, right? These Ten Commandments we have, these are sacred stones. How do we treat them? Uh, and that's where we get the construction of the ark, um, which is what we call that box that they carry around what's in there. The Ten Commandments, uh, the bones of Joseph. Uh, the rock that they got water from, right? <laughs> Strike the rock and you get water. I'd carry it around too. Um, and even some of the manna from heaven, right? So there's a lot of stuff in there. Nobody's keys. Nobody's keys. No? You didn't find that funny. You know somebody was like, hey, can I put my... No, you cannot. <laughs> Uh, this ark is incredibly sacred and of epic importance. Um, and God uh, even gives Moses instructions for the building of a tent. I don't mean a tent like a little thing you see. Uh, I mean a tent much bigger than this room I'm in, which is a pretty big room. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I shoot, I should have done this. I have a map of the tent, believe it or not. Yeah. Or so no? Did they? <clears throat> what? Did they? Did everybody come into the tent? Mm -mm, no, there, there were sections, and usually only the high priest. Yeah, and maybe we'll do that someday. Maybe we'll go through this whole thing of tent because you know what the Greek word for tent is? Tabernacle. Yeah, which is why we call that in the church. A tabernacle. It's the tent of the Lord's presence. The ark carried within it the presence of the Lord. Our tabernacle has within it the presence of the Lord. Uh, cool stuff. Um, so what we're going to do now is take a look at this idea of Moses, quote, standing in the gap. There is going to be a theme that repeats itself over and over and over. 
that the people grumble and complain or even threaten revolt. We're going to kill Moses and we're going back to Egypt. And this happens a lot. And every time the Lord's wrath gets stirred, he's sick of their crap. And he often will say, he says this to Moses a few times, quote, stand aside. I will kill them all and rebuild the nation from you. And Moses, one hand toward God, one hand toward the people. You have to kill me too, Lord. Uh, These people who hate him, he loves. These people who drive Moses nuts, he loves. And why? Because God loves them. And again, there's this background music of these folks are broken, right? These folks are a wreck. They have been tortured and abused and enslaved, and it broke them. And God commends Moses numerous times for standing in the gap between his God's wrath and the people. And why does God relent when Moses asks? Because he loves Moses. And no doubt, God's trying to show Moses. Yeah, you know, he's teaching Moses. You do want to keep this in mind because it's going to be a role that eventually breaks even Moses. Okay. Uh, And yeah. So uh, God, uh, Moses, uh, you get this image the Bible gives us now. So we've settled in. We've got the commandments. We've got some of the laws. uh, We pack up the tent and move the ark as we proceed. But they're going very slowly, as you can imagine. And then at the end of the day, they take the tent down and set it up. And Moses sits outside the tent, not the tent of the Lord's presence, his tent. And people come to him to adjudicate disputes. Yeah, uh, and that's where the system of the judges evolves. Um, they do love Moses and they respect Moses, but again, they're just messed up people, particularly messed up. Um, at one point, uh, there's a whole section where God, uh, Moses tells the people what God wants them to do for the tent, how it should look, how big it should be. Do we ever touch the Ark of the Covenant? The answer is a stern no. Everyone who touches it dies unless they're supposed to touch it. This is sacred. This is powerful. The rules governing the usage of the Ark are vast. God gives Moses uh, sacrificial laws and purity laws that many Orthodox Jews today live. Um, And I think I told you about this, like being at a religious Jew's house, you see they have two sets of pots and pans for everything, right? Or two sets of pots and pans um, because you never mix dairy and beef, in the kosher laws. So the beef things are prepared at this stove on these pots and the dairy things at this stove. Isn't that funny? Um, You'll see uh, a bedroom for the wife for when she is in her time, right? They are required to separate. Um, There's just all of these different, again, purity laws. And some of these laws we listen to and we're like, well, no, things were different. Right? Things were different. So, for example, Moses has to tell them, you can't kill a guy and marry his wife. And you're like, well, who would do that? Oh, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. 